Hey Zen friends, welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a show for you today. Nah, just for the ladies. Yeah, it's really just for the ladies. Gentlemen, you're welcome to listen, but this is, ladies, this one's for you. We had an amazing opportunity this past week to interview some of Louisville's finest at a ladies in leadership breakfast, if you will, mm-hmm. hosted at the Derby Museum to celebrate the new exhibit that's going on in the Derby Museum. It's called Right to Ride. Right to Ride. And it's uh, showcasing women who have been in horse racing, um, jockeys, female jockeys, and just the the journey, the history, and everything it's taken to get women to- Into horse racing. Yes, into horse racing, which is fascinating. And being in Kentucky, you talk about horse racing all the time. Um, all the time. But being a woman, it's really cool to- like, just, oh, they didn't already do that? Yeah, for real. No, it's actually, it was, it's, it's it, they're feisty. Like, they had to really claw their way to the top on this. And- very fascinating stories, um, but we were honored to be even asked to join the uh, this event to interview the four speakers that were highlighted at the event. So this was a great panel. This was a great panel. Um, I didn't know I was going to. I knew I was going to get a lot of information out of it and mm-hmm. just be super inspired. But the connections we made to these women. Yes. I, are still felt with me today. Oh. I've, I felt very connected to each and every one of them in a different way. Yeah. And it's one of the um, the ladies on the panel, uh, Natalia Bishop, she is a friend of the show. She has been on uh, Crazy Zen Life with us before. So it was really great catching up with her. Um, but to create new friendships with these other three women, it was really neat. I'm like, man, these these are badass ladies. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's neat because you kind of know when... Um, you, you feel a connection with people and we connected with these women like right away. And I can't wait to, you know, get to know them even better and mm-hmm. kind of see where their journeys take them. Cause they're, they're super badass. And just to speak to uh, yes, they're all very different, mm-hmm. but they're all along kind of the same path of just blazing their own way and the best way they know how. Yes. And I think that that was the biggest takeaway was that your journey is going to be different than the woman sitting next to you. Exactly. No matter, you know, background, skin color, you know, whatever, it's going to be different, but we can't support each other and, and come out the other end. Yeah. And I love that uh, there was so much support in that room. I mean, mm-hmm. this event was something that we had on our schedule um, <laughs> pre, pre-lockdown. pre <laughs> It was, um, we were scheduled to do this uh, in March mm-hmm. and then COVID hit and it got just pushed back. Um, actually, we weren't even sure it was going to happen. So we have been hearing, um, you know, over the past couple of months of like, hey, we're, we're trying to get this back going. And, you know, if you guys are still interested, we'd love to have you. And we're like 100 percent. We we love to do it. So um, when it finally did come back to life, we were very thankful that they still wanted us there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you still want us? You're good. OK. I was like, OK. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, and live events have become something we are it's it's part of our brand now yeah. i would do, do we have a brand probably i don't know but like i'm just gonna go there what's <laughs> well, something we love doing and i mean we, do we love, love talking to people we love connecting with people we love doing it you know live in person uh but it was really cool to, to watch how the uh the safety precautions that the derby museum took to make this happen they were I mean, badass they were they were super badass about this and um you know very respectful of 
wanting to make sure they were in compliance with guidelines. So everybody was masked and there was, you know, six feet, sanitized stations everywhere. So I felt really comfortable. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that, um, you know, I have a harder time kind of re-entering into event spaces right now because I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. But I felt really comfortable at this event. I thought they did a great job. And I just, my hat goes off to everybody working at that team. They're fantastic. They did a lot of of hard work, but it was also broadcast virtually. Yes. Which they had, I think, over 150 people tune in virtually, Mm -hmm. which was great. Yeah. That that just goes to show you, this is a a sign of the times. Yeah. I don't really feel like that's going to go anywhere. Right people need to feel safe and um and also it's convenient right like why not well and i think that that to your point is if you can't make an event in person but they give you the option to do it virtually i love that i mean sometimes logistically i just can't get to uh something that i want to attend and then you just kind of have to you know take it off your calendar because you're like i can't go but virtually you give me an option to tune in i'm gonna do it like I, i just love that so hats off to Churchill Downs yes. and the Derby Museum. Mm-hmm. I know they're separate, but but you know, working together. Yes, yeah. they work together. They partnership. Do. They do. Like our partnership. Yes. <laughs> We're taking our partnership on the road. We are. You guys, this is so fun. Um, we are taking the Zen families, Swans mm-hmm. and Kesslers, are heading to Tennessee. Woohoo! Fall break is upon us, and we are getting out of town. Get out of here. Got a little cabin in mm-hmm. the woods, and we are going to take the Zen kids hiking. Mm-hmm. We're going to attempt to do some zip lining. We're going to attempt, attempt, keyword. K- attempt. Yes. We are keeping the expectations super low, super, very low. It's the only way we know how to operate. Exactly. You cannot have high expectations with these five ragamuffins. Right. Run around here like they ain't got no sense. Which is true. <sighs> I know it. I know. Yeah. But I'm really excited about it. I am too. I our cabin is legit. It is so good. We spent a large amount of our... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, it's worth it. It's a fine. This is it's what it, I will rationalize any purchase. And this cabin, I was like, yeah, we're going to go on it. Well, it's fun because we can all be in the same place. Then we, I mean, we've been on vacations where we've been in the same places at the same time, but we've never been on vacation together with yes. our families. We vacation girls trip all the time. But I think this is going to be really fun. Like the kids are at a really fun age. Like they're super excited to go on hikes and be in nature. And yeah, I think our kids are really ready to unplug too. Yes. Like they have been... You know, they're on their screens playing, yes, but like virtually they have to learn and like things, they still have to do things virtually with, you know, with their own events and things. So Mm -hmm. I think that they're really looking forward to just being kids and like running around and having a good time and And experiencing something new. Right. And they're really excited to see the mountains. Yes. They want to see like a different terrain. Mm -hmm. Um, Ruby Jane has updated me about the weather. Yes. Several times. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that they've told me, my kids have told me my agenda several times. Yeah. So I think they know more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, great. You can yeah. be my cruise director. Right. <laughs> this is great. It's great. Let the kids plan the trip. Yeah. It's awesome. So it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah. I do want to speak to what happened yesterday. Oh, boy. Okay. It was good. Oh, yes. Yesterday. It was good. It was a good, I have a good tie up with it. But okay. So yesterday, I wasn't feeling the best. Uh, allergies in Kentucky are no joke. Yeah. And this pollen thing is we just have a had pollen ball. We, according to the weather, which we watch in our house multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have an increase in um, a, a certain pollen strand right now. And the weatherman was like, it's bad. It, and when he's like, it's very large. Like the count is very large. I'm like, oh, okay. So it was very bad. Yeah. Um, and 
allergies to like put me down. Mm-hmm. I never run a fever or anything like that, but they do put me down sometimes. So yesterday I was having a bad allergy day. I stayed inside on that for that purpose, but my kids were running around outside all day yesterday. Now, Watson got a motorized scooter for his birthday. We'll leave that for another episode. <sighs> yes. So mm-hmm. he was motoring around all all day. Great. But he's really good about telling me where he's going because we've had a lot of contention with that. But he's mm-hmm. now really good after being grounded for about two months at one time. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to mess that up. So he said, Mom, I'm going to Charlie's. I'm going to play outside in her garage. I said, just do not go inside. I need to be able to come down and see you if I need. He's like, okay, that's fine. So about 45 minutes to an hour rolls around, which he hasn't been back. And that's very unlike him. Mm-hmm. So I said, Wyatt, go down to Jody's house or our friend's house and say, go and check on Watson. Tell him to come home. I need to start fixing dinner. He runs down. He's like, mom, they're not there. I was like, I was like what do you mean they're not there? He's like, they're not there. I rang, I rang the doorbell, went around all the sides of the house. They're not there. It's like, oh, well, he might be at the Kessler's. Nope, not there. I was like, hmm, well, maybe he's at the, the other neighbor's house. So we, we went through the, the docket of neighbors he could be at. He was on anyone's house. So there's a part in your stomach that just just gets pitted. Right, like, like drops. Okay, all right. Now, and I did tell myself, don't freak out too much because mm-hmm. there's probably an explanation. I just don't know what it is yet. So I'm on the phone trying to call Landon. Landon's at Lowe's getting some stuff at this point. I was like, okay, I can't get a hold of him. He'll call me back. Right. And I'm saying, call me ASAP, 911, call me ASAP. I need, I need your, to, do you know? I need to talk to you. I need to right. talk to you. I go down to Jody's house. Again, I can't reach her. Go to the other neighbor's house. This is where it's kind of funny. And these are neighbors that we don't really know. I don't. We know they're kids, but we don't really I interact don't know. with, with I don't, the parents. I still don't know this person's name. I don't either. So yeah. I walk into her house. She's having company. <laughs> They're like having dinner and this hysterical woman is walking into their house like, where's my son? I'm like, I'm like, I, and I halfway look drunk and hungover from my, like right. all my allergy meds. And I'm like, I still haven't had any alcohol. Like I have like the scrubby sweatshirt on my sweatpants. I look, I look a mess. So I'm like losing my mind. I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is the first time you're meeting me, but hi, my name is Brittany Swan. Oh my God. Like, where's my kid? And, and, and like, you can see like terror acceptance and kind of like judgment in her eyes, which right. I hate, but we're here for all of it. I get it. Like I as mom, it. we're like, and run down the list. Where do we put you? All right, hold on. She's panicked. <laughs> we, we should save her. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, okay, help. Yes. Mm-hmm. Questions later. Got it. So I go outside. I run next door again to their other neighbor. No one's seen him. I was like, green sweatshirt, great pants, blonde hair. He's on a scooter. Yeah, he's on a scooter. They're like, no, I haven't seen him. So at this point, I'm still calling Landon over and over again. So there's a point in like your parenthood where 10 minutes feels like a lifetime. Yes. And also at this point, you have run into my house with your other two children. Yes. Screaming. I can't find Watson. I can't, can't find, find Watson. Watson. We can't find when So like we are in the midst of putting together like a hamster brigade. And but you heard my yell yeah. at you. I was like, Shannon, I need your help. I was help. like, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Everybody go. And you know, all four Kessler's, you know, outside, uh, Dan hops on his bike and, you know, he's like, I- I'm, I'll, I'll, you know, scoot around. I'll, I'll go look. And uh, at this point, I'm like, I-, I don't run, but I'm running to, you know, this neighbor's house to be like, oh, are we not going to, are we, we seen anything? Have you checked here? Have you, have you looked under the pool cover? Like, I mean, we are just going through all the emotions at this point, like freaking out, like, okay, what's going to happen? Well, why it was so gut wrenching was I was going on this one piece of information was that the friend he was hanging out with had walked him home. 
and she was the last person to see him. Right. And then when you and talked that to that for, friend's until mom. Until I talked to that friend's okay. mom, she said, we left 40 minutes ago. And I said, I haven't, so he's unaccounted for for 40 minutes. At that point, I'm like, oh my gosh. Because not having eyes and not knowing and right. it, it's just, it, it just rattles you. It really does rattle you. And so it was like that collapse moment, like, oh my gosh, it, 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 it really seriously, I've never had that kind of fear in my life. So, and I, that's where I was trying to like get out to you when I was yelling. I was like, I don't know where he is for 40 minutes. And I think he could be anywhere. And these visions go through your head. Right. So we have families. I don't even know driving around the neighborhood. Yes. Two sets of neighbors. I still don't know the names. Yeah. And they're going around. And so I'm like, green sweatshirt, green pants. I call my, my in-laws and I said, you need to just keep calling Landon. You don't need to come over here. Just keep calling Landon. I can't get a hold of him. Landon calls me. I have him. Ooh, oh, girl. I was like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> Wait, was, that, that was your choice of word? No, okay. I was like, what the? F-? <laughs> I, I mean, I, but, and it didn't quite register the severity to him because he didn't, he wasn't on this side of it. So he was like, what? I, right. I, he's like, I thought you knew. And I'm like, you did not confirm. No one confirmed. He's like, you're right. You're right. I didn't. I just took him. I saw him in the garage as I left. He's like, yeah, I want to go. But no one, ha- I didn't have eyes on him. I never saw him in- enter back in the house. I was like, that's right. pivotal. So he'll never do that again. Nope. So nope. he definitely learned a lesson like, oh my gosh. Because I told him, I was like, it wasn't just me. Like I ruined this part, right. this, this dinner party. <laughs> like at least I give him dinner conversation. I will tell them that. That's true. And that gave them a lot of ammo. Right. And a lot of things to chat about. And I was yeah. like, well, at least I gave him that. And then I gave the other neighbor a story to tell his wife. I'm like, well, at least they have a bedtime conversation. You know, I feel like you need to get a couple bags of please and thank you cookies with a little please forgive me and thank you for helping. That is such a good idea. Mm-hmm. Like the neighbor that, I don't know if you know my name, yeah. but I'm down the street. So thank you like, yeah. for your for your assistance. Because, and I did think about this this morning when I was talking to you. Is this like, we, on the Facebook page, our because our, our neighborhood is quite big. It's 400 houses. So it's, a, it's pretty big. And, we often see comments about like dog poop and driving too fast mm-hmm. and what so-and-so had a sign in their yard and that kind of stuff. And we get so concerned about that. But honestly, the moment that someone needed help, everyone was like all hands on deck. Right. And they were like, okay, yes, on we're, it. we're on it. Yeah. And it just made me feel so comforted because I think that's what human, like human humanity is all about. Like we right. want to felt help our fellow human as much yes. as possible. I agree with that. So that's how I just tie all that together. Love it. Love but my that. husband did yeah. sleep inside last night. Yeah. Last night he <laughs> he has apologized probably eighty times. Yeah, he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know what you were probably going through. I was like, it was ten minutes it, of hell. Yeah, I mean, even my girls last night at dinner were like, we could hear in Miss Brittany's voice how scared she was. Oh, I mean, it it that echoes. You know, like you hear panic, and I mean, for you know, an eight year old to pick that up, it's like, yeah, it's scary as a parent when you don't know where your most prized possessions are. You guys are the most important things to us. And if we can't find you, one minute feels like an hour. An eternity. So imagine for, you know, a good solid 10 minutes of not knowing where your kid is. That is agony. Oh, it it, it really, really was. <laughs> it was just, I remember talking to Jody, and she was like, she's like, I know he's inside. I was like, Jody, he's not. I've yelled. And she was like, okay, all right. We'll, we'll, and she was trying to call me. And she's like, we can do this. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Poor I ruined her dinner too. Like she's out to dinner with her boyfriend. I was like, I was like, nah, I ain't trying to hear you. 
you got a lot of cookie deliveries to do this week. I have so many. I've got so much time. So little cookies. But anyways, I just want to tell you guys that uh, it's we have to (laughs) invoke a new system in our house. Yes, we do. Eyes on all children. I know. And it's actually it was so funny. Not funny. Just the timing of this, because I had just posted on Facebook just recommendations for like a GPS watch for the kids, because this is something that, you know, like the kids are getting old enough and they do want to go down to their neighbor's house. And my biggest fear is that like they like to ride their bikes. They like to do the scooters, all that kind of stuff. If you fall off and like I in my mind, the worst case scenario is like you fall off, you break your leg. You can't walk to get help. Right. Like you were just there. You got to have a buddy. Or you got to hope somebody's looking out the window, hears you screaming, whatever it is. And, you know, my husband was like, that's where you go. He's like, do you know when we were kids, we would run around I'm like we don't live in the same time. Like we don't live in I a know. bubble and where you grew up. And like, you know, we were kind of going back and forth about this. I'm like, and God forbid somebody can come and snatch our children and take them away. Because that's a reality that as a parent, you also have to, you know, put in your head. But we just need to know. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem tracking my kid because I need, I want them to have the independence and the freedom to like, you know, be able to go away and not have me walk them down to a friend's house. But I also need peace of mind as a parent that I know where you are. Mm -hmm. And just like you, I mean, if you would have had a tracker on your kid, you would have known, like, you probably would have freaked out being like, you're at Lowe's? Why are you at Lowe's? Who are you you with? What's happening? Uh, But it would have been easier for you to identify like, okay, got it. You know, this is this is where you are. But I mean, this is, this is the day and age that we are right now. We've got to, yeah. got to be hit with the times. I, you know, your mind goes to the very, very, very worst. Yes. And you can't, you can't help that. I can't. I, I didn't it worry does. like this before I had kids. Oh no. But you get kids and then all of a sudden this worry, like bone, or I don't even know. It just overtakes everything. And I'm like, I would like to lessen that please oh <laughs> like, my gosh. I don't need all this worry and I thought like after being a parent for almost 10 years I'm like eh, I, got I some, think like, it I just got gets some worse fun. I think it just I god forbid when they start driving and stuff oh. like that I know like the, all the moms out there like yeah. with, that are like mm-hmm. if you're going through it shout it out let us know because listen like girls it don't get easier right and help us I want to give them some more freedom we live in a fantastic neighborhood we do live in a very active community now yeah. I think that COVID has definitely made our neighborhood more active I love it, seeing it was everyone out before COVID, but I mean those those sidewalks get crowded. They do, which they do. we love. I mean, we love seeing everybody out walking the dogs, playing. You know, it's fun. I think we are more so now. We've been more apt to in, engage with our neighbors. Yes, I obviously need to learn names. Really bad at that. We're see that is what this lesson has taught us that we do need to get to know more than just the person who lives next door to you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And don't be that crazy lady ruining dinner parties. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We do hope you enjoy this episode. We did absolutely love it. I'm sorry. Uh, No, I was just going to say, oh, just a small tidbit. Um, We did have to, we recorded three of the ladies. Actually, we're going to run down the ladies of leadership um, panelists. We have Donna Barton Brothers, and she is one of the most recognizable female faces in horse racing. So as soon as you see this cute little lady, you're going to be like, oh, I know her. She is the... Um, correspondent for NBC Sports, and she has over a thousand career wins as a jockey. She's been in the industry for pretty much her entire life. She's an amazing story. We are going to have her on as a whole episode because um, mm-hmm. she is fascinating and you want to hear more about her. Um, and then Tawana Bain. Love this lady. You guys are going to fall in love with this lady. She's incredible. Uh, just a superhuman. I don't understand how she gets all the things that she gets done accomplished, but Hats off to her. Um, Natalia Bishop, 
we love her. She long times in friend. Long times in friend. Um, and then a new crush of both Brittany and myself, <laughs> Miss Peggy No Stevens. I mean, this little gem. She got us good. <laughs> we really she did. Really fell for this one. She's she's just so relatable. Yes, I think that she just wants to bring out the best in anyone she talks to. Yeah. We connected to her uh, just on the level that we were like, okay, she she just gets yes. women. She does get women and in she, industry. Yeah, one hundred percent. So we're very excited for you guys to get to know our new friends, and we hope you enjoy the show. Enjoy. <laughs> Ladies in Leadership is here, and we're glad to have Natalia Bishop on. Yay! A longtime friend of the Crazies in Life podcast. She's yes. a serial entrepreneur, photographer, mentor, creator, innovator, community curator of all the things, a mom, <laughs> and an overall badass. So, oh my gosh, oh, I, I love that. I mean, I love that interview. I'm going to steal that now. Please do, please do. Mm-hmm. I know. And longtime Zen friend. Yes. Oh, that's, that's the best. Long that's time. our favorite, personal favorite. We yes. love seeing your happy, happy face. Thank you. And I I think when you you talk about ladies in leadership in Louisville, it would be very hard to have this conversation without Natalia Bishop. So I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're one of the panelists today. And we're just really lucky and excited that you're here and we get to see you in person. <laughs> this is so a really happy surprise this morning when they were like, Crazy Zinzai is here. And I was like, I oh, go, yes. <laughs> go way yes. back with those girls. <laughs> For our listeners that are not privy to what you do in Louisville, give us a quick rundown. So I am the founder of a couple of businesses here locally. Um, I am the founder at Story Louisville, which is a co-working community um, for entrepreneurs, freelancers, and remote workers. So if you're tired of working from home, come on over. We have two <laughs> locations, one in Main Street and one in Germantown. Um, we are actually helping women that want to start businesses as well through our Wild Accelerator. Um, so I founded that about four and a half years ago, um, moving more into that, um, you know, just founder role and not as much in the day to day there, but very, very still involved in the community here in the entrepreneurship community. And then I also have a tech startup. It's called Level Up. And we are a um, modern education company and we're helping women gain skills and knowledge. Uh, we're doing that through our live classes. We have live classes online and live classes in person. And we're getting ready to launch our app, which is really <gasps> exciting. Yes. <Yay. laughs> and so that awesome. will be mobile learning. So you'll be able to learn on your phone in 10 minutes or less. Every, yeah, and you can do it anytime, anywhere. Wow. So it's really, really exciting. So yeah. stay tuned for that. That's exciting. <laughs> I, just are you offering like French classes on there? I'm trying to learn how to speak French. <laughs> We're not this year. doing languages <laughs> so much, but we are really focusing strategically on like women interests, right? So yeah. we're going from anything from the fun, frou frou, easy. Mm-hmm. exciting stuff like yeah. hand lettering and yes. geeky decorating which is what we're known for and then we're moving on into the serious issues which we all have to level up and evolve yes. and so um, you know financial literacy and sexual wellness and how to grow and start a business and how to develop your career and things of that nature so, awesome wow. yeah. well that is a great lead in um, I know as someone who starts businesses like you need capital and raising funds is difficult and I can only imagine that in a pandemic it has its own layers of complications so Talk to us a little bit about what you do in fundraising and how you've kind of tackled hurdles that you might have come as a woman raising capital, but also as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and and, and it's interesting because 
um, you know, specifically, I'm from Colombia, though, so that's my background, right? So I'm a Latino immigrant, first generation college person. <laughs> so I have a bunch of like, you know, what other people consider knocks on my resume. But um, to be honest with you, it, it's 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 a uh, um, a whole thing in the landscape of the U.S. and how we approach capital and venture and things of that nature. So with my first business, I was so fortunate to have an amazing local angel um, step up and he um, invested in our company really early and gave us the funds to be able to you know, open up the Entrepreneur Center um, down in Main Street. So um, I had a really great network that helped me raise that initial fund. Um, and then we level up. We just opened our seed round uh, about two and a half weeks ago, and we're doing really great with that. Um, and I, you know, if anyone wants details on that, I'll be happy to, to kind of talk about it. But um, being in the Midwest makes it difficult, no matter what you know gender you are, what color you are. Um, we're just not in the West Coast or in in the East Coast, so raising money for tech products can be a little bit difficult. However, uh, it's even more difficult for women of color. Uh, for minority founders, even more and more difficult for black women. I was sharing with you earlier, uh, you know, just a number uh, of for every $1 million that a, um, a white male uh, founder gets, a black woman gets 28000 um, That's so, shocking. That <laughs> is just embarrassing. Think I think on it. so many levels. But Man, it, it, but, but it makes sense, right? We we invest and we we put money in the things that we are familiar with, and yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. our networks just don't expand beyond uh, people that you know look like us or go to similar uh, schools than us or you know have have similar backgrounds. Background. So yeah. um, it, it does make sense why it's historically been this way. But I think what's what's needed and what's the shift that's that's needed is intentionality and empathy and um you know we have to kind of get out of making excuses for why things are the way they are and start looking at what's the action that's needed next Mm -hmm. so while it has been difficult and especially in the pandemic um i think that there's a lot of opportunity um for founders of color founders of minority backgrounds we've been here and we've been doing our (laughs) thing for a while um and so it's, it's, it's sort of getting out of that I'm underestimated mode for us um, from the founder's perspective and getting out there and, you know, making it happen. Uh, and from the funding perspective, it's going to take um, anyone with a checkbook to start small. There are vehicles out there that even if you don't have, you know, an angel investor status where you're making over $300,000 a year, you know, you can still go to things like wefunder.com. We actually have a Louisville startup there uh, led by Jessica Bledsoe, who's a female founder right here in Louisville, um, who is currently raising money there. And you can put as little as $500 to $1,000 and back wow, her up. That's great. So there are vehicles yeah. for investment. Check it out. It's wefunder.com. Is that something that, um, is, as far as these new 10 minute things that you can learn with level up or are you looking at maybe doing a financial investment for women oh, is yeah. that okay good <laughs> because the women and money yeah. we just get lost or we think that we don't oh that's not our forte we need someone to guide us but in truth like there's so many resources you can guide yourself through this it, absolutely yeah. and i think we we make such a big part of the consumer market i mean think about it how many of the purchasing decisions of your home are you making i'm gonna go um, with like about, about 110%. <laughs> when someone comes to the house and says, I want to speak to your husband, I'm like, no, oh, you don't. No, 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 you no, don't. No, you don't. Then you're going to get $0. Right. I make all of the financial that decisions. That is right. And so I think like we are way more educated in the consumption process than we think we are. Um, and as such, we should be making some investment decisions 
with our household money just as much as our husbands do. Um, and, you know, a lot of us do work uh, outside of the home and are able to bring income. And if not, you know, and we probably need to be having some conversations with your husband <laughs> anyways, but, um, or partner, right? And so I think that it, it's an interesting time uh, for women to take a little bit of control um, of their own destiny, if you mm -hmm. would, and their family's destiny. And I think for us to kind of step up and help each other out, whether we look like each other or not, um, and and just do it with optimism and, and, and you know, some some insight because we have that insight as well. Yeah. Women. When you have confidence mm -hmm. over your finances, it brings so much more confidence to your everyday life. Absolutely. I truly believe that, especially Absolutely. like putting it out there. And yeah. yeah. So a lot of changes has happened, right? <laughs> yes. Since the pandemic. So how have you seen the pandemic change your business as a whole? Well, I mean, the two, two ways, uh, lots of ways, but two, two main things come to mind. I mean, the world melted, right? And, and it was yeah. just, and more importantly, here in Louisville, our community was, it's and still in a lot of pain. Yes. Um, so there's hurt, there's, um, you know, there's a lot happening there. And outside of just, you know, germs and, and whatnot, um, you know, we kind of took a pause in, in at Story um, for about two months. We basically said, like, you know, we, we need to kind of look at this and figure out, A, whether are we going to still be able to stay in business because no one is doing anything, right? Well, your bread and butter was like live events or having people in a space together. So yeah. it would be difficult Absolutely. during so, this time to do that. So for our co-working space, we lost all of our event revenue. We lost a lot of our co-working revenue for the first couple of months. So we had to do a round of layoffs and all kinds of different things. And um, thankfully, we were able to like come out of that um, in, in, a, in a very beautiful way. Like we were really supported by our office tenants and uh, of course, we got, you know, like some PPP dollars and things like that. But, um, you know, as we're moving forward, we're deciding what is their value proposition outside of just beautiful space, right? Like, yeah, you come, you work here. But what is it that brings you back and jolts you as a community? And we have taken a lot of that virtually. So a lot of our programming has gone from like brick and mortar into, you know, a virtual Zoom, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, as well as like we're doing trying to reopen and do stuff like that socially distance so that people can get out of their houses there's tons of our co-workers that need space where there are and children yes <laughs> <laughs> if you know if you catch my direct and and oh yeah 100 you you really do there is a measure of isolation that happens when you're constantly home on your own and your ideas just sort of stop becoming innovative because you're in your head so much right mm -hmm. so um giving people the opportunity to come maybe it's once a week for a couple hours right um and you get to come and be socially isolated but you see people right yes we're bringing food back and so it's like Foco Louisville is bringing food every couple of weeks we had a bun uh, a bourbon tasting yesterday from the ladies at trouble mm -hmm. bar and so nice. things like that like how do we make this social but controlled and um you know and making people sort of be part of that community again and start sort of getting back to the normal and then we level up we have to completely pivot our business model for the second time yes. because why not right <laughs> so we were you were quick on your feet you did good we, we were literally in san francisco in february uh when they declared a stare of emergency and we were we were pitching our company uh, in a pitch competition pitching yes. our product over like live classes and it was like no 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 yeah. <laughs> let's change hang that. on here yeah well if you remember the last live event we did was the uh the, uh, the Lululemon yes, at the Lululemon. Yes. yes, the, yep. the diversity. The, yeah. the, 
was it International Day of the Woman? Yes, that's what that's it was. Yes. Yeah. yeah, with Lululemon, right? Yes. And so that was the last thing we did, and it was yeah. right before or right yeah. after you went to yeah. San Francisco, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was exactly yeah. the timing, and it was it was one of those things that we saw it about three weeks before it started hitting here, or two weeks, I guess. Uh, so we little we had a little bit of a heads up, and when we started seeing everything shut down everywhere, my school was like, "Oh, oh this no, is like, not going to be good." This is so we got. I mean, it was uh, like nights and weekends, and we we're just like, "Okay, what are we going to do? How do we pivot?" And um, and you know, the idea went from, "Hey, we have this live in person event. Well, how do we take this and make them live online? How do we take our sauce that makes our events special and make women continue to come and have a great time?" and bring that sauce to online. So we partnered up with a, a learning designer out of Arizona State University. Um, we created resources for our teachers to be able to teach online, shorter courses, because who really wants to be on Zoom for two and a half hours, right? No one. Nobody. Uh, nobody. Even if you have wine, you don't want to Right. Do <laughs> I know. It gets old. It, it does. Yeah. And so it's like, let's shorten this and make learning objectives are really great. Um, and um, and then let's give our teachers all the tools they need. So they all they have to do is just show up. Uh, and put their skill online. So we grew it from our 11 teachers that we had locally to 187 over yeah wow. over the last five months. Wow. So what's the time limit you said? Like there's so it's only like a few it's minutes. 45 to 90 minutes on our live events. Our burst out learning that's on our mobile app that mm-hmm. we're launching that will be 10 minutes or less. So oh and that's self paced. Yeah. So that will be you'll be able to we call it a burst style. So you do a burst one day and it's got a video component and a learning objective. So again you know I love this yeah, it's, love very, so it's very fun yeah that's, that's I'm super excited keep tabs on that one it's like 45 minutes seems so daunting yeah. to like to learn something but like not 45 minutes like yeah. you know but I can do 10 minutes all day yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love the burst idea yeah, yeah and it's, it's a compliment to each other right so there are things that you're going to want to do on your own and we, what we hope is that you make learning a habit every day right like just like you work out just like you meditate um, you know, can I learn something new and the skills build upon each other, right? And so all of a sudden, like you go from, you know, at the beginning of the year, not knowing really how to invest to fully being invested into a company or something like that. And we think that that's just exciting and interesting. So I love, I love it. You've made it really smart to just kind of pivot where we all need to be right now, which is, you know, we're going to give you what we can, which is 10 minutes at a time. But that will lead you into when you're excited about something. I want to mm-hmm. dive deeper. Yeah. I yeah. will spend 45 minutes to 90 minutes to learn yeah. more about it. And That's I will really do that smart. with an instructor that can give me feedback, yes. uh, you know, and it's in person and I'm doing it with community. And so, yeah. uh, and you know, I'm all about community. So our yes. app has a community piece to it. So if you have questions and if you want to talk about something, then you can do that right on the app with people that are taking the class at the same time you are. So, so cool. So cool. I will tell you, that's an amazing idea. I can't <laughs> wait. Because you only have like little bursts of moments that yep. maybe you have that free time or, yep. or you can like, okay, I have 10 minutes. I know I have I 10 honestly, minutes. Brittany, I was thinking about like back when I had toddlers and I was like locking myself in the bathroom for 10 minutes. <laughs> I was like, it has to be doable in the min- in the 10 minutes right. that you're in the bathroom locked in there yes, when the kids yes. are doing something else. That's Genius. just like what we need to do. That speaks to every person that has kids. Even Everyone's well, clapping right now like, yes, yes girl. <laughs> yes. Well, you do have like a ton of things going on. I know you've got to get ready for yeah. this event. Um, but just a couple questions. As someone who has taken on new projects and you are someone who is a mentor and you lead a lot of people and you've got a great team, what is your most valued piece of guidance? Start. And just start. Yes. <laughs> it's a one word. <laughs> um, I think that we, as women especially, and I think I've said this before in your podcast, but I think we want it to be so perfect and so beautiful and we want to make everybody comfortable, whatever it is that we want to do, whether it's like launching our own thing or like our career or even a cake, whatever it is, like we, we prohibit ourselves from 
trying because we're worried about the outcome when in reality it's about the middle right it's about the messy whatever it is and whether you make a beautiful cake at the end or it's you know a nailed it product (laughs) (laughs) you know who cares right and so I think that I'm not an exceptional being I'm not an exceptional woman by any means like I'm a normal whatever and and I think that what's different from my personality is that I don't care I'm gonna start it because I want to and I think we should all be that way I think we'll be more fulfilled and we'll find things that we enjoy and love a lot more Mm -hmm. than if we just keep it to ourselves we're kind of depriving the world a little bit yeah right so start thinking it that way like if I don't do this thing that I've been wanting to do I think raise your hand if you had an idea for a podcast for a long period of time (laughs) and then do it (laughs) wink wink right and and then you just do it and then you know look at what you've done right and so um i think that that's the key it's like just go do it see what happens and if you don't like it try again love it love it we love having you yes (laughs) you are such a bright light to the city um so where can everyone find you um i am on instagram mostly um i kind of i'm like that lurker in the background (laughs) that doesn't really post as much but sometimes I post on the story hey, so if you want to you hang got a lot out, going on you can't do social all the time I get it is at uh, Natalia underscore Bishop um, but for um, for our businesses at Level Up um, uh, well, I'm not a lie I'm sorry it's, it's <laughs> levelupwithus.com is our website and you can okay. get classes on there or if you have skill you want to share Ooh. please get in there and Share your skill with the world. It's, it takes 60 seconds to apply to be a teacher, so it's awesome. Um, or you can find us on Instagram at LVLUP underscore official. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy yeah, this day. Thank you so Thanks much for, for leading Louisville. Thanks, Natalia. <laughs> Bye. We are here with Peggy No Stevens. And I will say, as I did a quick Google search, I don't know what she doesn't do. <laughs> I mean, that's a very honest statement because there are so many things. I mean, I think being the world's first female master bourbon taster is got to be a crown jewel in your in your cap. And then being inducted into the Kentucky Distilleries Association Bourbon Hall of Fame. She's a, a two-time author. Here. Yes. Which fork do I use with my bourbon? I can't wait to talk about that because it's oh, yes. so cute. And then professional presence. So not only are you a master entertainer, you also give great advice to um, women and men in leadership roles. That's fantastic. Um, a marketing strategist, a serial entrepreneur, and you've been in the beverage industry for over 30 years. So, Miss Peggy. I think <laughs> I think you just made me tired reading all that like, again. I d- <laughs> Good. We have mimosas coming. Yes. Right. Oh, yes. good. Yes. I was hoping. Yes. Have, maybe they'll put a little bourbon in it. Oh, right. That's great. You can go to your next book. Well, you know, <laughs> it works. That's great. So oh, that's you, awesome. you've been in the industry for over 30 years. How did you get started into bourbon? Like, what, what was the, uh, the draw to get you into bourbon? Well, you know, I think I've always been in bourbon. You know, growing up in Kentucky, pre-career, you know, my family... Uh, which I'm tied to heritage by some of the bourbon makers in Kentucky, but my parents were huge on entertaining people in our home. We, we always had the Christmas party. We always did the birthday parties and first communion parties. And, you know, and so bourbon was always a part of growing up. My mother drank uh, highballs. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> which are now back in action. They are. Right, after all these years. Uh, so I remember that that distinct nose there was always bourbon in our eggnog oh nice at christmas right you know and so um 
I think it was almost organic. But when I did graduate from college and hit my career, I started in the hotel business Mm -hmm. and did everything from catering, convention services, PR. Uh, So planning those big events taught me a little bit about boot camp of wine and spirits. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I was actually headhunted by a whiskey company, a spirits company called Brown Foreman. And it was that moment that I feel like I officially entered, yes. you know, into the whiskey world You've in been my training career. For this. I've been training all my life. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it mm-hmm. seems like such a natural fit. That's great. So what do you find is um, like the allure of bourbon? Because it is, it does seem to be, have this certain level of sophistication about it. Like, where do you think that comes from? You know, I think that people don't look at bourbon just as a whiskey or a drink. They look at it almost like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And it comes from our very, very rich lifestyle and culture here in Kentucky. You know, always very hospitable, warm, gracious, entertaining. You know, um, it's always about the quality of the whiskey, not the quantity of the whiskey to enjoy. And I think that people have really grown to appreciate it as a premium experience. experience. Yes, Not a drink, but an experience. Yes. I totally agree with that. I think that I tell a lot of people from out of state, if you don't know about Kentucky, I just there's not a way to describe this inviting, very hospitable. It. Yeah, it yeah. is an experience yes. coming in here and, and getting that kind of Kentucky home home feel. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. So bourbon is an experience, and I, I do 100% agree with that. How did you decide to make a, a part of your career being in the experience of bourbon? Well, when I was at uh, Brown Foreman Corporation, they trained me to become a master taster. And so I would travel globally. Uh, conducting tastings for audiences around the world. And I also did a lot of the event planning. Uh, So it was always entertaining with bourbon. Uh, So really, I think it was almost osmosis um, that after so many years of working my way up, I was with Brown Foreman 17 years, I decided to start my own company. Mm -hmm. uh, And I build brand destinations in visitor centers, just like the Derby Museum, for example, that we're sitting in today, uh, for spirit companies. And so that is truly the deep dive into experiential marketing. That's great. Now, I have have two questions on this. My first one is, how does one get trained to be a master bourbon taster? Because I feel like my husband really wants that job. Oh, (laughs) for sure. All the men are like, how did this happen? Exactly. (laughs) What's so funny is I went, my father, you know, I was in my 30s when I became a master taster and I came home and I said, Dad, you're not going to believe it. They're going to train me to become a master taster. And he goes, well, I don't know what the hell that is. (laughs) He said, but you've got them fooled because you've been a master since you were 21. (laughs) And so I got the biggest kick out of that. But essentially, there's not really a job description. It's following the master distiller, who at the time was Lincoln Henderson uh, with Woodford Reserve, very iconic master distiller in our industry. And he literally trained me on everything from sensory, you know, to walking in the warehouses and, you know, tapping barrels and tasting for quality. Um, And so it was on the job training is the best way I can put it. That lasted a good year, I guess it was, uh, until they made it official that I could, you know, do that kind of thing on my own. So um, every distillery in Kentucky is different. They handpick the people who they think have good palates or that could become a master blender or a master distiller. So it's not like the wine world where you can get a degree as a master sommelier. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's not like that. It's not like you take a test. Right. And so that's part of the fun of it, I yeah. think. Are it's almost like you're a Jedi. I know. It's <laughs> you're a bourbon Jedi. Like, yeah. I got like, it. I feel it. Here, one. Here, Obi-Wan. Yes. I love Let it. me train you. I love that. <laughs> like, I got to remember you're that. You're chosen. You're exactly. the chosen one. I just don't yeah. want to wear the Princess Leia uh, yeah. buns on the side of my head if that's okay. Yeah, no, we can. No, we you can, can go totally chic. Like can Ray. I go chic on there? Okay, we can I'm create, in. Again, this was a handpicked position for you. We can handpick the style that goes with it. We are going that's, to do that. No I'm in. I'm, in. I, I'm curious. Are there certain things that you aren't allowed to eat because it might mess with your palate? Like probably Sour Patch Kids aren't really something you're throwing That'd be down really bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. You know, it, it's Albert. funny, but people don't realize this the best time to drink whiskey if you're literally just tasting it and trying to profile it you know with the different flavors is in the morning oh really your your Mm -hmm. palate is most open in the morning because you haven't influenced it by eating lunch and onions and all of that like pre-coffee post-coffee or no well actually i will do it post-coffee okay and on uh, some people do it pre-coffee i don't mind Mm post-coffee but the one thing that i will tell you is very pungent foods like blue cheese, onion, licorice, you know, things that would really coat your tongue. Mm -hmm. Those are the things we stay away from. Okay. Okay. So I try to keep it kind of bland, you know, on my diet if I'm doing it because I'm a whiskey reviewer uh, for American Whiskey Magazine. So I do 25 samples a quarter on, on reviewing whiskey. And so when I'm in that mode, I try to eat light as far as bland foods. Okay. Yeah. Really? Well, this... I find so so much information there. It totally (laughs) makes sense to have it with a steak and a baked potato. That's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Now, um, with your, which book came first for you? Well, actually, this is uh, my third book that's coming. I know they said this is my third book. My very first book was called um, The Culinary Journey, The Woodford Reserve Culinary Journey, and it was about food and bourbon. Okay. And I interviewed chefs uh, from around Kentucky, and we came up with a flavor wheel. Uh, and so that was all about, you know, food recipes, cocktail recipes. Then when I started my company, I created pr- Professional Presence, mm-hmm. and it's a four-part guide to building your personal brand. And it's every mistake I've ever made as a woman Perfect. in Ooh. that book. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's all the things that I learned along the way from great mentors. Mm-hmm. I'm certified to be an etiquette and protocol instructor, so I have some of those tidbits in there, uh, how to present yourself. So it's really uh, for career people who are wanting to climb. Okay. Uh, and so that's that's on Amazon, and uh, that book came out, gosh, I guess seven years ago. Wow. And then this book, which took me a while to do, it's always been in my head, but life gets in the way, yes. right, for women. So um, which fork do I use with my bourbon? I love it. <laughs> and I mentioned I was an etiquette consultant, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's my play on words, which fork do I use with my bourbon, because in Kentucky, we don't really have an etiquette. We don't want to be pretentious about right. drinking our product. You know, yes, it's quality. Yes, it's premium. But we want it to be approachable. And so after traveling all around the world, conducting tastings, and people would come up and say, how do I do this in my own home? Oh, give me some of the tricks of the trade. I thought, you know what? We're going to put all these tricks of the trade in this book so everybody can entertain in your home, conduct your own tasting, conduct your own food pairing, and how to plan a damn good party. I love it. Okay, I have a question. Yeah. If you had to give two tricks 
just to give our listeners a little taste. Sure. What were two tricks of the trade that you would, would offer? Okay. Well, the first one is how you nose a whiskey. Oh. And I know our okay. viewers can't necessarily see this, but a lot of people think you have to do it like the wine folks and dig that nose. Sniff it in and there. And sniff mm-hmm. it in there and take a big inhale. That's exactly what you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. We're a little bit more laid back here. Okay. Uh, so you want to bring a bourbon with the glass to the side of your nose, okay. actually, because you'll be able to nose it even before it gets to your nose okay. and you can delineate the aromas a little bit better because with the alcohol vapors you know it deadens your olfactory senses right mm. and so that's why we pull it to the side and then another trick if you're new to drinking bourbon and you feel like oh i'm a little scared of the proof or because it's a whiskey because a lot of women remember whiskey is their dad's drink right mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually very sweet and complex and what we have found is women like higher proof, more robust, and spicier whiskey. Whoa. Oh, yeah. How Are about we shocks, that? ladies? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, if you're really wanting to dive in and learn about bourbon, I suggest you take a sip of the bourbon, swallow it, and then literally blow out like you're going to whistle. Just okay. like that. Because it blows out the alcohol vapor and allows you to enjoy the flavor really? of that bourbon. I'm going to try this. I feel like this book is going to be a gift that I'm giving all season long because we have a lot of friends that live, you know, all over the country that love bourbon and they love, you know, that we live here and they're always happy around derby time to see what we're doing. And it's like, you know, what kind of derby party can you do? But I think this book could be something that would be, you know, any bourbon. A great coffee table book. Well, I love that you say that because there's a whole chapter on derby entertaining. Perfect. Oh, how to do the perfect mint julep and you know all the derby entertaining I've done over my life I've done over 25 derbies in my career and then you mentioned seasonal and there's a chapter on how to gather seasonal props for your entertaining in your home and how to set the perfect buffet and table that's perfect yeah and that's so up Shannon's alley. She's always about the little You, like, it, you I like to entertain? I do yeah. love to entertain. Good, I do. Good. It's my you will favorite. love it. Yeah. That's In fact, so we entertain. We do a um, a big derby brunch every single year. It's the Sunday oh, before derby. So it's like mm-hmm. it kicks off everybody's derby season. And um, we use our grandmother's china. So yes. like we mix love and match our that. grandparents' See, china. I love that you bring out the yeah. china. Bring right. out the best. Yes. Right? We do. We, we cover do. the chairs. We cook we, all the food. We cook all the food. We do not cater wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. It I says, love it's it. that, but it's that thing that you give back to your friends. And you know, everything is made with love. And by the time we're all done, we're a little bit tipsy from sampling all the cocktails that we've made. That's true. When we get to our friends. Nobody cares like, about nobody food cares. after that. No. <laughs> you know? no. And they always want a good cocktail, honestly. Are they like, give me a Bloody Mary bar, give me a mimosa bar, give me a a craft cocktail. Now we can do a bourbon bar because oh. now we know we can know what we're doing. I'm so here for that. Uh, I know, right? This is great. <laughs> you know, I have a funny story. We, uh, my husband and I travel all over the world and I will tell you his very favorite gift he's ever gotten. He found a rare bottle of bourbon in a liquor store in Rome. And this, Oh, really? Uh, we, he didn't care about seeing the Coliseum. Like he was telling everybody he was so excited to find this bourbon in Rome. And I'm like, okay, this is, okay. Yeah. Well, that is a heck of a find. It is. Yeah. 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 He just, he's like, this is great. We're not going to find this at home. I'm like, we live in the bourbon capital of the world. He's do like, you happen to remember the name of it? I wish I did. It was obscure, I guess. It, yeah. It, it was it. Okay. Bottle. I would That's, love to know that. Yeah. It was, it's kind of cool. It was Plus like Plus I'm Italian. Oh. I'm an Italian Kentuckian. Well, I love oh. this even more. <laughs> yes. It's fantastic. Love it. Love it. Love we it. are going to well, talk yeah. off air about pasta. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are huge into pasta good, and good. big. Yeah. Big fans. Big fans. Um, 
Yeah, there, just side note, there's a, are you on social media? Oh, all? yes. Okay, do you follow the pasta queen? No, you but it sounds like I should. She's hilarious. She's, oh, wow. Well, she's been on Instagram and YouTube for a while. She got I'm really a big famous. Instagrammer. She got really famous on TikTok mm-hmm. um, and then kind of brought it back to Instagram, but she's hilarious. If you like pasta, love it. you're going to love her. She's oh, great. I'm going to look that up. Oh, yeah, pop, she's like on only a minute videos and it's yeah. hilarious they're, and they're super they're inviting. Great. How fun. You'll love it. Yes. That's fun. So we're going to bring it back around to your yeah. professional. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, when I was researching a lot of your creds, you do you do a lot of within leadership, and I I saw something mentioned about how you work with um, young women. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you think that's so important? Sure. Um, the reason why I have a passion for young women is because I want to give back to the many people in my career uh, that I look back and I think how they influenced me. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you too, it's also with the bad bosses that I've had that influenced me because it it taught me what not to do absolutely uh, in life and so the book professional presence that I wrote the reason why I put all my mistakes in there and all my you know it was really an unloading of my mind and soul frankly um, is because I wish someone would have taught me all of that at an early age can you imagine the jump start a young female would have Mm -hmm. if you said hey here's some life lessons Mm -hmm. you know or hey what's your roadmap that you want to do for your career let me help you strategize a little bit to see the future down the road for you because so many women you know we're trying to have kids and you know have a life and then you're working and you're traveling and you're you know and it's hard to really take time for yourself yes so when you have the help of someone you know crystal balling with you Mm -hmm. and saying hey you know let's think about you and only you for now. And let's see what we can do with, you know, the career you have, or the desire you want, the passions that you see for yourself. Um, that's a gift. Yes. And so that is my purpose, is to give that gift, you know, to young women. Well, that that's ties amazing. in beautiful, because I was going to ask what's your most valued piece of guidance, but it sounds like this book might be it. That's It most certainly is. Yeah. It, it breaks it down. I always say, um, when you describe somebody who's professional, you know, it's hard to describe, right? You think, well, you know, they, they dress well or they speak well or whatever. That's like eating the elephant. You know, th- there's a million ways to describe somebody who's professional um, and has a great personal brand. And so I broke it into, I said, I eat the elephant one bite at a time. Right. right. So I broke it into chapters so you can build upon it. Fantastic. Uh, and it's helped. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that piece of advice, yeah, too. I do, too. I do, too. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. I'm really excited to see you today on the stage and Thank just hear you. more about you. And I know that you've got two new fans. With Big with fans. Yeah, you all are great. a ton of fun. <laughs> I am so tickled you asked me to come on. Well, oh, yeah. We and really I appreciate it. Before you leave, um, let our listeners know where they can find you. Oh, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Peggy No Stevens. Uh, my website's PeggyNoStevens.com, so I'm easy to remember, mm-hmm. uh, not hard to find. Unforgettable, though. I can't, <laughs> can't forget you. Great. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you, again, Peggy. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. All right. Well, our next amazing badass who is joining us today for the Ladies in Leadership brunch slash breakfast slash I don't and even then, know what time it is. Yeah, I've lost track of time. Yes. I don't even know. But is Miss Tawana Bain? Welcome, Thank welcome. You. Thank you for having me. So we're going to run down your creds. Activist, philanthropist, event producer, fashion icon, which I really want to get into that. Marketer, print creator, podcaster, and entrepreneur. You are a serial entrepreneur. Yes. So yeah, which I came first? multipreneur. A multi... A multi... Yes. Multipreneur. We're um, making up sure. all the words here yeah. while we're talking to you. So the first one was NAC. 
Okay. Which is actually a project management firm. And so we manage large-scale moving corporate events. That's where we started. Okay. And um, 2016 came and um, messed all that up. <laughs> and I don't even, I should have asked if I could curse on your you show. Oh, so okay, we have well, to eat. It fucked all that shit yeah, up. Right? Okay. And so, um, <laughs> and so you think COVID like made things crazy. 2016 for me was crazy. We had a really large client that was being investigated by the FBI. We were the last to know. Oh, okay. And oh, um, mm-hmm. they suddenly wanted to move everything in house. I had to lay off people. And we were trying to hold on to their business, and I'm so right. glad that we did, didn't get caught up in all that. And so um, I just decided to start diver- um, investing in other businesses. I wanted things that were high transaction, immediate cash, getting paid every 120 days just wasn't going to work anymore. Right. And so I found myself beginning to look at the same way NAC was a project management marketing firm. I started looking at my business ventures as projects. I'd build a project team, I'd assign a project lead. I put the investment in. I'd go on to the next one once it was up and running. That's really oh, smart. Oh wow! Yeah, that, I feel like that's almost like a, a game-changing way to run this kind of business. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But that I mean, cheers to being in it and being like, I got a better way. Yeah, I got a better <laughs> way. Well, the crazy thing is, I would tell my clients all the time, they would say, "Well, I just think that this is overhead." So eventually, you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I'm going to do this for me, and right. if, 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 if it's successful, then I know that my business model was was correct. You can have an external firm managing large moving parts for you and they don't have to be hired on to your to your staff. Right. And that would, you know, anytime, you know, they were making cuts, we were the first to go. Mm-hmm. So that was always really tough when you're trying to build, you know, a business. Sure. And um, so I decided to now use my services for me and it's working out just fine. <laughs> well, if you, had the, if you had the secret sauce, it was almost like you were yeah. franchising what you knew best. So you took what you knew and you just applied it to several other things. Several other things. And they yeah. seem to be doing very well. And, and now I'm in control. I don't have to wait for this ad to be approved or the right. website changes to be approved. So, you know, different businesses have different sales cycles, right? And so some businesses, you can close a sale in six months. Some, you can close it in six hours, right? So every business is different, but I understood the main ingredients to creating a buzz and getting it going. Right. And now I I really do. I get to do that for my portfolio. Every now and then I'll take on a client. Every now and then. It's got to be somebody that I just love or I'm like, hell, I'd be crazy not to. I mean, they're going to make millions of dollars. So I need to get in, you know, on this. But I don't, I don't take on outside clients anymore. I don't have time to prove to you that my business concept works. That's amazing. And and cheers to you to to be able to figure that out. Because I think, especially with women, we always feel like we have something to prove. And we're always trying to find our worth and mm-hmm. let other people's out, you know, external validations kind of guide us mm-hmm. when we need that validation. Mm-hmm. And you're like, fuck it. Okay. Nope. Don't need it anymore. Yeah. So it sounds yeah. like you never second guess yourself. How did you get there? Um, I think it's like an internal gut instinct, right? You know what you can do and you know what you can't do. And, and, and people, we need to be honest about that as people. If you somebody puts a challenge in front of your face or on the table, you know, I can get this done. Yes. Mm, I, I can't get this done. Or I can't get this done alone, but I can if. Right. right? But you know, you, you can look at it. It's, it's almost like someone saying like, I, I don't know why I did that. I, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You know, in your gut. Yes. So it's trusting your gut. Yeah. Right. And, it's, mm-hmm. if, and if your gut says like, girl, you can't, do not follow your gut don't right. don't second guess yourself but that really requires people to be in tune with self yeah and you know yourself oh that's something that we speak to a lot here on the podcast of just 
understanding and trusting like why it feels good and why it feels bad and like don't lean away from it mm-hmm. in either direction mm-hmm. like it's happening for a reason mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I do love that that's something that you've embraced and it, it's helped you propel yourself where you are mm-hmm. in your career mm-hmm. but also I mean I look at this like I mean, you do so many things I'm not sure when you sleep no I don't know I'm not sure like are you going to come up with an album next I feel like that's like the next thing on the list for uh, you to well, do no, like you need a Grammy maybe an Emmy working on my podcast but <laughs> I, I have a, yes. a video one but <laughs> yeah but I want to go back to to what I said because I, I think that there's a piece that I left out. You also get to know what you're capable of when other people tell you that you couldn't and right. then you realize you can. Yes. Right? And so you start to understand that no one is the authority over your ability but you. Mm-hmm. And there are so many times in life where someone has said or kind of brushed you off or just they were like, really? Like... Or they, you ever um, say that, I'm sure, when you guys were going to start your podcast, I oh, guarantee yeah. you there were people that said some things that weren't like, you can't do it, but they weren't Encouraging. exactly. Like, it's a, um, cra- it's a really crowded space. Yeah. And how are of- you going to make it in, uh, everyone's doing it. You're yes. not on reality TV, basically, because at the time, that's when you had to be the up and comer. Oh, yeah, we heard it all. Yeah. So imagine now walking into a room and those same people walking up to your table. What do they say to you? I had one, one person say to me one time, oh, my God, you're still in business? Like, holy uh, shit. Well, see, that's how you start to believe that. Right. You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. the people that don't and you realize how great you really are. Yeah. And you're like, man, it sucks for you, you right. know, that you missed out <laughs> on such a great. <laughs> it sucks <Yes>. for you. <laughs> So that's the tagline of this segment, <laughs> Sex <laughs> for You. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag screw you. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we've kind of had to pivot in the pandemic. And there's, yeah. you know, basically our city and the world is what we call the big dumpster fire. Crazy, yes, dumpster fire. Crazy, exactly. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what have you seen? Have you applied that to your business? And what do you see moving forward as your biggest hurdles? So <clears throat> right now with... COVID-19 and civil unrest happening at the exact same time. In Louisville, Kentucky. In Louisville, everywhere. I mean, yes. but our city. Yeah. Right, primary, right. Yeah. Being ground zero with Breonna Taylor has been really unique because people have so oh, wow. many different misunderstandings about what's going on. And I grew up in the white culture. I have a lot of white girlfriends. Some of my first boyfriends and girl and best friends were white women. And then at a certain age, I then began to, um, my mother moved us into this all white neighborhood. So I wasn't exposed to the black culture with the exception of my sisters and my mother who are now also immersed in the white culture. So I had a very difficult time making friends with black girls. Now think about that for just a second, right? Mm-hmm. You have this black girl, I'm cute, right? I'm Super smart. Mm-hmm. And I can't make friends with the black girls that look just like me. Right. There is a bigger issue going on in our country that we need to address. And so my pivot has been using what I used to think was taboo because it made me um, what people thought was an Oreo or she's trying to be white. Um, it made me understand that the blessing that God gave me and being raised in a different culture, I'm able to bridge divides that some people can't do because they have a lack of understanding of both cultures. Right. And being able and being in a position to bring cultures together, not in hate, but in unity, yeah. I am seeing a lot of walls being torn down. I'm seeing a lot of education. I'm seeing a lot of love. And unfortunately, some people who are not in circles or not in close proximity or not don't have the desire to learn 
um, they are still engulfed in this dumpster fire. And there's a lot of us that are like out on the beach right. and rubbing our feet in the sand because we're learning and yeah. we are beginning to appreciate the very things that others are not. Sure. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly would love to have you on uh, on Crazy Zen just as a separate episode just to talk more about this. This is something Brittany and I really feel or passionate Or just stay about. a weekend with us. Wanting to, yes. to bring to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could talk to you all day, honestly. Yeah, we really could. Because, um, I mean, we do, we have a predominantly white female audience mm-hmm. and I think that what we're seeing right now with so much racial injustice and just so much pain, we, we want to be able to bring that and we really want a voice to be heard and I feel like you are definitely one that could bring that I mean, and it's not your responsibility to educate white women on anything but I think we're in a unique place that white women they, they want to get better and again it's not well, a and it's, and it's journey, not a it's not that white women need to get better right because I have a lot of white girlfriends that are that are fine yeah and mm-hmm. white women don't know what they don't know right just like black women don't know what they don't know and the reality is is are but are you is, do you want to do something and are you willing to put in the work? Because Absolutely. if you can meet me there, yeah. we can we can do this thing together. Yeah. But it's it's every everybody's got work to do. Just like I tell my black girlfriends, like, listen, come on, let's. It goes back to let's be honest. Yeah. And we're gonna be honest because you, as black girls, treated me a certain way, and I'm your sister. So let's start there. So what did the white girls, if, if I would have been white, what might they have seen? Right. Right? Now, let's talk to my white girlfriends. Now, let's be honest. Well, Twana, I love you. And I don't see color. And I don't blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. Well, if um, God woke you up on Monday and said, what are your names, girls? So your names? Shannon. Brittany. Brittany. Shannon, Brittany. You're going to spend the rest of your life as a black girl. And there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You would go home. And you, some might commit suicide. Some would just sit in their room struggling, afraid, some disgusted, right? But they're like, but I'm not racist. Twana, yeah, but baby, you don't want to live in black skin. So why don't you want to live in black skin? Let's start there. And if you can wake up every day realizing that, I know that I don't want to walk out this door in black skin because of what I know my black brothers and sisters experience. How can we make it better for them so they want to walk out in their black skin? Yes. And that is where we start. I think that you've said that so beautifully. And I I mean, I just want to stand up and clap you out. (laughs) (laughs) So great. So great. Yes. Um, yeah, I I really do want to have you on. Um, we're giving like the the wrap it up finger. Got it. For, no, the there, there was a red light. There's been waves at me. I'm like, I can't. Um, because there is just again, there's so much more about you that I want to talk about, and I feel like it's we're not doing you enough justice just to give you like a quick you know That's 11 okay. minutes of our time. Well, like, this is well let's do the let's do her, our one question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, what is your most valuable piece of advice you can give our listeners today? The most valuable piece of advice that I would give people today is hate is such a weak emotion. Ooh. Can you say that again? That's good. Hate is such a weak emotion. Mm. And hate, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, cannot be seen, but it is felt. And when you feel it in your body, I need you to check yourself. I think that's a great note to end on, right? I mean, damn. tbaitandco.com. (laughs) 
tbaneandco.com. You uh, yeah. you just read my mind. I was like, how do our yes. listeners find you? Exactly. Okay, tbaneandco.com. And are you at Get Fancy With It on at Instagram? Get, at Get Fancy With T. I, I suck on my Instagram, but people are like, really? Um, I like to drop notes like that, uh-huh. advice like that, once yeah. a month. Love it. My little nuggets of wisdom. And hate is such a weak emotion came to me from my son. He uh, wrote a song and it was Hate is Such a Weak Emotion and it just changed my life. I love it. I love so. it. Love it. Love Will it, you come back it. on with us? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Absolutely. I'm going to come back on with you. I'm going to bring you girls on with me. Fantastic. And you we can't are get rid going of us. to create more cross race collaboration. I it's going to be have, great. Like the most chills right now. I'm so excited. Like I've, I'm going to get teary eyed. Like, I just feel like we, we were in the right space, in the right time. We're meant to be here. And I'm just so excited for what this relationship is going to bring forward. So thank you, thank you, Tawana. Very thank welcome. You. Okay. Yay. Well, welcome, Miss Donna Brothers. We are so happy to sit down and chat with you um, at the Ladies in Leadership Breakfast. And we can't wait to dive in and hear a little bit more about you. Well, Shannon and Brittany, it's good to be on with you guys. I've been a fan of your crazy Zen life for a while. Um, I, I love what you all are doing, and I'm really glad to have you here at Ladies in Leadership. Oh, yay, yay. So a full disclosure here, we, um, we're we recording this post-production post because we it was so much fun at the luncheon. We didn't have time to carve out a, a special Donna Brothers time because it was so much going on. So um, we really feel like so much uh, gratitude for taking our time on Sunday. I'm really glad you came with the full disclosure since you can still hear the dog barking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't have any dogs at the Derby Museum. So good oh, call. Man, just in true Georgie fashion, if you're a friend of the show, then you know that you've heard Georgie on it a couple times. So yeah, it's, it's very poignant that she wanted to make her special appearance. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's uh, but so going with just going with the crazy going with the zen we appreciate that but so tell our listeners a little bit about your rundown and um why you were asked to the leadership luncheon um on friday that's a really good question because i was up there on the stage with three women who are all who are all entrepreneurs and business owners and so when they first contacted me to be involved i said i'm not an entrepreneur and I don't own a business. And they said, right, but you are your own business. And I was like, okay, that's a good point. Um, and so I guess I was able to bring a different perspective because there are women who are self-employed because they own their own business or, um, you know, because they, they are um, essentially entrepreneurs. But there are other women who are able to be self-employed because they are their own business. And I'm one of those women. And so I, I went from being a, a, a jockey uh, for about 11 and a half years to covering horse racing for NBC Sports. I was a jockey from 1987 to 1998. I started with NBC Sports in 2000. So in between, in those two years in between, I, d- I dabbled with some on-air uh, work with a little bit with ESPN, some with um, TVG, which is a, all horse racing all the time. And then I started working with NBC in 2000, and I've been with them ever since. I, I'm also the strategic advisor for the Thoroughbred Safety Coalition, which is a coalition that was formed last year to make horse racing safer, specifically to make it safer for the horses, and then also what would follow from that is the jockeys. And then I also um, am in charge of client relations and partnership recruitment for Starlight and Star Ladies Racing, which is a um, 
racing partnership group. One is all female. That's the Star Ladies group. And then my hobby is that I'm a consultant for Scout and Cellar Wines because I love their clean crafted wines and I'm not going to try to sell the wines on your show. But that is the, the long answer to your question is that you don't have to own a business to be your own business and to be self-employed. Wow. I love how that has, I love how that's, you melded all of that together. I think that's it's beautiful. Fantastic. <laughs> and I was actually telling this to Brittany on the day of the, um, of the event that to hear you say that you don't have to own your own business. I, I love that. Um, because I feel like sometimes as women, we're told, you know, like, oh, you're successful and you have to be an entrepreneur. You have to own your own business. You have to own, you know, do your own startup. And that's just not the case for every woman. So I love to hear that someone like yourself who is successful. I mean, you're the, one of the most recognizable faces in horse racing and you have, you know, over a thousand career wins that someone's so successful and you're like, no, you don't have to own a business to be successful. I love <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I did think about it, Shannon, because um, I love the idea of owning a business, but we also have a second home in Saratoga Springs, New York, and spend most of the summer up there because we love it up there. And there's horse racing there in the summer, um, top horse racing. And we like to travel. And if you own your own business and it's a bricks and mortar business, it's really hard to get away. And so that just wasn't for me. And I think there's a lot of people like that who you know, they could own an online business if they wanted, or they could just be their own business. But there's a lot of different ways to be independent from the corporate world. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things I took away from the talk on the luncheon um, is when you were talking about how much you were really into the book you wrote about the insider's guide to horse racing. You felt it was a part of you. You spent so much time on it. You really wanted it to make it handy for people that wanted to know maybe about, you know, the horses or the jockeys or what to wear or what to do. And you felt a part of it, but then there was another project you took on and you didn't really feel a part of it. And I wanted to share that with the listeners. And can you tell, talk more about that? Because I think it's so great when you feel connected and when you don't feel connected. To something. Yeah, when I um, started, you know, uh, grew up in horse racing, I, I failed to mention that my mother was also a jockey, but I grew up in horse racing. And so when I started covering horse racing for NBC Sports, that's when I realized there was this really big divide between the people who understand horse racing really well and somebody who's a casual sports fan and wants to understand it. We have this really inside language and how do you handicap horse races and how do you even read those past performances? And so I kept saying, like, somebody needs to write a book about this. Like, just explain, like, you know, how do you bet? Um, what, what would drive you to make that bet? If you've been invited to go to the racetrack, what do you wear? And how do you find out what you should wear? Um, where do these jockeys come from, these little tiny people? Where do they get all these little tiny athletes? Um, how do you train a horse? Like, do you tell it to sit and stay? Like, what do you do to train a horse? And so I kept saying, somebody needs to write this book. And finally, nobody was writing the book. And I went, okay, I'm going to have to write the book. And I am qualified. I did grow up in horse racing. And now I cover it for NBC Sports. So I wrote the book and it literally wrote itself. Like I wrote the outline for the book. And then every single chapter just filled itself in. And it was a breeze to write. And it was well received and in exactly the way that I intended it. For it, to, for it to be used for people who hadn't been to the track. Or, you know, here in Louisville, we have so many people who come in from out of state and want to go to the Derby and they don't know anything about horse racing. And then you spend half your day trying to explain it to them. And so a lot of people in Louisville will send this to their guests in advance 
as required reading <laughs> before they can come. <laughs> and so from there, um, I was fortunate enough that there's a, a, a the late Helen Brand. She's a literary agent. Um, she was a, a fractional owner. She was in uh, some racing partnerships and she, she loved horse racing and she saw the book. She also had been a literary agent for the late Robert Parker and the late Maya Angelou. And so she contacted me and said, Hey, you really need to write a book about your life. Cause like you've had this crazy life. Um, I graduated from high school a year early and 11 years, I went to seven different schools in five different States. And so moved around quite a lot and lived actually with four different families before I was six years old. And then ended up back with my own mother. Um, my mom and dad got divorced when I was a year and a half. And so Helen was like, you really need to write this book. And so I started writing the book because Helen said I needed to write it. And I spent two years trying to write this book. And I actually feel like I'm a really good writer. But I just couldn't make the book something that people would want to read. And I, I couldn't understand why I couldn't because I feel like I'm a good writer. And then one day it occurred to me that this isn't my book. This is Helen Brand's book. And then when Helen passed away, it sort of gave me at first, actually, I was like, I've got to get this done for Helen, the late Helen Brand. But then after a while, when Helen passed away, I realized that that project is going to also die with Helen because it was her project and not mine. And I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, no, I really need to do this because somebody wants me to do it because I told somebody I would do it. And at the end of the day, you need to examine whether or not this is your passion or somebody else's, because your passion will drive you to work hours and hours and hours beyond what you, th what you th thought you could. And other people's passions will make you feel like you're working longer than you are. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love how you said that. Yeah, that's a really great um, piece of advice. I, I mean, I think a lot of us probably find that um, little jewel way too late in our life where we spent way too much energy on something that you're like, oh, I just, this is not my passion. <laughs> like The have to. Like yes, said, I have, have to. to do it. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And we have a lot of have tos. Like both of you have children and you have children and you do the things with your children because you love children and you love your children. And so there's a lot of days I'm sure that you go, oh my God, I have to make lunch again. I have to make dinner. And then you remind yourself, why am I doing this? Because I love my children and it's important to me. And then you're immediately reinvigorated. But if it's somebody else's want to or have to, and you can't relate to it, you're not going to get there. Absolutely. 100%. My youngest daughter always said, she's like, mom, do you like being a mom? I'm like, I love being a mom. She's like, even when I drive you crazy, I'm like, even when you drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How old is your youngest daughter? Uh, she just turned eight. Oh, that's so, sweet. <laughs> yeah, she's a sweetheart. Um, so, I mean, you do have a, a long list of accolades and, you know, you, you wear a lot of different hats. Um, I know you were saying before we hit record that on your website, you know, there's a lot of different tabs because you enjoy doing a lot of different things. Like what, what do you think is your, your favorite role that you take on? Um, I, I wouldn't want to do any of them full time, to be honest. I love that I'm able to do multiple things. And so, um, when I work, so when I started with NBC sports, I, I was only doing four shows a year, the triple crown races and the breeders cup. And then at one point I was doing 25 shows a year because I was covering more horse races and we had professional bull riding and I was covering some horse shows like, um, uh, world championships, quarter horses in Oklahoma. And so 
I was traveling quite a lot doing that. And I thought, I don't know how people do this who are on the road every weekend. And so I loved doing it, but it wasn't my thing. I didn't want to be on the road every other weekend covering a show. And so that schedule has been cut back again, unintentionally, really just because we don't cover professional bull riding anymore. And we don't cover very many of the uh, other equestrian disciplines. Uh, So mostly it's still just horse racing. I love what I do for the Thoroughbred Safety Coalition because I feel like it's important. We have to make horse racing safer. We have to make it safer for the horses because we will lose our social license to operate just like they did with the elephants with Barnum and Bailey, just like they did with the whales at SeaWorld. And so it's important to me to make horse racing safer for the horses because it's the right thing to do and because society demands it and rightfully so. And then the only reason why I do the work that I do with Starlight and Star Ladies Racing is because I really like Jack and Lori Wolf, who are the managing partners for those two partnerships. And so if they have a horse in a stakes race and I'm not covering it on NBC, I'm always invited to go to the track, even if that means to get on a plane and fly to Florida or California. And we have a great group of partners. Like we just have so many really nice partners that I enjoy spending time with. So I love that I get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I don't OD on any of them. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like I don't OD. Yeah. You do feel like you yeah. kind of get stretched so thin. You're like, well, you want to take on, you want to make every role like you're mastered and you're like, well, I do all these really well. And sometimes why don't you just be satisfied with doing it really well? I think that's a great way to be. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to wrap up our conversation. Um, but I do want to have, I have a fun question for you. Cause I, I heard that you do like to cook. I think you said it on the panel the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really interesting. What is your favorite thing to cook on a Sunday? Oh, soup. I love soup. I mean, like my sister also loves soup. She calls it a food group. It's her favorite food group. <laughs> so great. I would say def- definitely soup because, you know, you saute some onion and some garlic and then you've got that smell wafting through the house and then maybe you throw in some herbs and that adds another layer to the smell. And then you start putting in the ingredients to the soup and, and then that, you know, is on the stovetop for maybe a couple of hours, maybe longer. And I just love the way that it wafts through the house. And the other good thing about soup is that, you know, it's a one pot meal. Right. Right. It's not like you've got to like, you know, braise the meat and then slow roast the meat and then you know do your vegetables and your potatoes I love one pot meals and especially healthy one pot meals yes well I feel like as a fellow wine enthusiast as a fellow yogi as a fellow soup lover we need more of Donna in our lives and yes (laughs) I feel like a a little girls night and then have you back on uh, crazies in life to hear more about your story because you just are a remarkable woman and we are so lucky that you are a leader in our city well louisville's lucky to have you all i love what you all are doing i love your crazies in life and great to be on with you Brittany and shannon oh thank thank you you. so much donna and you enjoy the rest of your sunday (laughs) thanks you too bye-bye Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.